these, these people talk about how the Smurfs uh, yeah. were there to make drama look normal, like to get you used to see blue people. <laughs> uh, that sounds great. It's called what again? Blacker. That's Blacker. an old school movie. Okay, I'm writing. Yeah, it. it's like a like yeah. I'm it's putting a bunch in my of funny Oh man, what a double feature right there. Southside Tale DVD followed by Slacker DVD. And it's a, he goes around. Okay. Okay. Now, once again, we see Grandma Deaf, who's the author of the book. And she keeps going to the mailbox to see if there's right. a, right. And the bitchy asshole gym teacher lady, who's also a parent, you know, we get to n dislike her again. Because she's like, I'm going to call social services. Now, look, she just yeah. checked her mail, yeah. right? Yeah. But no, she no turns place. around. I mean, maybe mail's come now. <laughs> yeah. Well, what time in a flat circle? The truth is she's waiting for a letter. She's waiting for a letter from someone who is a manipulated living. The next time there's a tangent universe. She wrote that book because somehow she was part of one. And she wrote that book for, I don't know if she was part of one. It's a mystery why she wrote the book, but but she expects that it's going to happen and she'll get a letter from the person who did it. Ooh, emergency PTA meeting, that sounds dire. Well, the school was flooded. Yeah, but I mean, like anytime you have to bring the parents into an emergency, they don't need to have a meeting. <laughs> thanks for the fucking all our seats in the auditorium are soaking wet. Also, parents, thanks for coming to the auditorium tonight. Sorry about the seats. <laughs> well, I can't turn up the uh, sound. My computers. Well, I, I wanted you to hear Kitty. She is like, I can't believe this filth is being taught in our schools because it talks about flooding. You know, the book uh, talks about flooding what the house. Oh, so he worshiped down inspired Donnie Darko to flood the, uh, oh, taking pills, going to see some CGI. Now, it's not Watership Down, it's The Deceivers, is that what it was called? By the right, author of Graham. Yeah. That's when you have an unripe uh, graham cracker. <laughs> yeah, green graham. It's got to be moldy. Don't complain. Eat your graham cracker. This chocolate milk is curdled. Well, Do not complain. Who's in the mirror? Uh, CGI monster, look at that. Look at that CGI. Wow, trippy, I wasn't expecting CGI in this movie. Right, you weren't expecting special effects in this movie. Trippy. Yeah, so that guy was in uh, Anchorman, like when they cut to the the, the camera crew, and the, the people Are on the editing Are you sure? Board. You're talking about the husband. And the husband shows up at South Park, uh, Southland Tales. Yeah, Osborne Harris, or whatever the guy's name is, some weird name. He's so uninteresting that I kind of didn't look him up. Let's see here. Let's see. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Osborne, Danny Darko dad. I've seen the Danny Darko scene. Didn't look him uh, up. Uh, 
He would. I did. I mean, literally, I did look him up. I just didn't write anything down. It was tri- triple boring. Same thing with the little yeah. girl. She just went on to do S. Darko, and that's really interesting. Oh, here it is. No, no, that's not it. That's there's Mary McDonald, who right. was so excited that she got the part. She got she got her first ever speeding ticket. Wow, that's a great story. She was driving to the steps. She was also paid scale. I heard you got a speedy ticket driving away from Southland Tales. Get that script away from me. Uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, what? Well, Seth Rogen. Okay, this whole guy's philosophy is that you're held back by your fear, okay? And you got to head towards the other end of the spectrum, which is love, okay? And if you look at every problem that you have in your life, it's all about your fear. And every success and everything great is all about love. Oh, you know what? That's okay. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I, I've been doing this all, all ass backwards. <laughs> I was afraid you were. Oh, it was fear. I was a fear. I love this. Uh-oh, you need to get one. Hey. Wow, three books. Three books in school. What's the catch? <laughs> this is not too far off about the garbage that they have in school, like some of the auditorium stuff. Okay, now uh, Anita reads hers, and you know, this girl didn't study for school, so what she's gonna do is cheat. Now, is that fear or love? And Chanita correctly chooses fear. Yeah. Well, it's also a love to cheat. There is a love to cheat. And when you get a good grade, you've succeeded. And that's love. Now, Donnie reads a situation that's hypothetical, but it really doesn't have anything to do with fear or love. It's like returning a wallet and keeping the money. That's not done out of fear. It's like done out of being a jerk. Now, this is not the director's cut. This this scene is actually in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Cut that out. Look, Donnie, stop talking back to the teacher, dude. Yeah, really. Seth Rogen needs to disapprove it. Yeah. Yeah. Have they ever been in another movie together? Uh, Yeah. Not, I don't think so. I didn't look up Seth Rogen just because he's so known. I don't need to tell yeah. anybody. This guy was the doctor in MASH, you know. Right, right. <laughs> this guy was in Creeper Creepers as Ambulance Man 1. Okay, so she tells Kitty to shove it up her ass. And so he's in the principal's office and they've suspended him from after school activity. Oh no! Wasn't well, right. The parents are doing it all like smirking, like what our sunset is cool, but yeah. respectable. But we're still gonna have a smirky face on it. He does not buy this shit. <laughs> I 
Yeah, I guess this is all 80s, right? This is what they did in the 80s. So weird. Oh, look at the dad. <laughs> he's going to vote for Dukakis, I think, in this universe. Yeah, he's not going to vote for Dukakis in any tangent universe. <laughs> There's no way. He's going to dress down the teacher. Now she's getting a talking to from Kitty and really like getting chewed out, kind of. Even though I'm getting paid scale, I just want to take the opportunity to tell you to shove it. <laughs> I'm getting paid scale too. It was on, actually on the set of Charlie's Angels that Drew Barrymore and Richard Kelly agreed that she, her, you know, flower films would do it. It was, they, they produced it for four and a half million dollars and Barry Moore had to have a part. Um, yeah, she had a good it, role in this. It was going to go straight to video or to the television stars. So anyway, it, it through the influence, they got to the 2001 Sundance Film Festival and this new market films that we know is the host of this channel did release it in October, even though it was right after 9-11. Right. Well, we had changed the plans. We originally wanted to release it before any national tragedy, but, you know, here we are. And it was Christopher Nolan who said to New Market, come on, guys. Put it yeah, in, the in the movie theater. Yeah, put it in the movie theater. People don't want to watch movies at home. Yeah, they no. got to go to the movies. Noah gets his first real part. I mean, Donnie asks about time travel. And right. He's a teacher, and it's interesting. Janita somehow is listening. I don't know why. Because it's a mad world. world. Da -na -na. Mad world. I'm sure S. Tarko is like, everybody wants to rule the world. <laughs> you know, the father who's a no-name, it was Tim Robbins who was the first choice. Oh, he would have been a good father. Like, he has the same kind of hobbit look to him. Yep. Right? He would have been a perfect father. Well, now, I give this, a shout out to him. It was 2001, oh, right? How old? I don't know. He would have looked the part. He would have looked fine. He's kind of ageless. I mm -hmm. saw him in a movie called D H Eyes. I-E-Y-E-S. D-H-I-S. And it's about a video set that a uh, boy recorded stuff. He got a video camera for his birthday in the 80s, and he recorded TV shows and himself. And it's a parody of just, it's all shot on video. It's a parody of the 80s. It's Netflix. Eyes. Plural? Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. Hulu. It's on Hulu. I can't get it on Netflix on DVD. <laughs> no, you can try it DVD, but you can just go to Hulu and watch it. <laughs> That could take a tab. They don't have that many movies. Good point. This is all it's shot in um, a high school, Loyola High School in L.A. This really isn't in the, you know, Richard Kelly grew up in Middlesex, uh, in a Virginia town, similarly named. Oh, but he didn't. Southland Tale in the second movie, he goes full on LA parody. You saw it? Parody. 
Oh, I've seen it a hundred million times. Hundred million times. Okay. Where yeah, do I see it if not DVD? Right? It has to be DVD. Yeah, you can see it on DVD. I don't. I mean, I never typed it in to see if uh, it's on one of the streaming services. Okay, so it's um, he's showing the book that the teacher gave him, and it is the philosophy of time travel. And it was written by that old lady they almost run over all the time. They're, you know, they're learning. Oh, they had nearly killed an author. That's right. Yeah, even. Uh-oh, slow motion trampoline, ironic. Why is it ironic? Because it's a fun time thing, but it's menacing when you slow it down. And then it doesn't look fun anymore, and that's the irony. Okay. Now I get it. You know what irony is. I do. Um, irony was, I think, what it was 800 BCE, right? That's that was the irony uh -huh. age. Um, that's right. I'm, well, that's what you did before temp, uh, before your temp job. You and irony all the clothing you had. <laughs> yeah, well, look good. I'm gonna. You know what I'm going to do, Shirt? I'm going to put you, I'm going to wear you like pants. Oh, the irony. Are you ironing your shirt? <clears throat> okay, so oh. now what we're learning is about, like, Frank says that there's a time travel, and the old lady, you know, the author said, whispered in his ear and said, that every living thing dies alone and now he's like i don't want to die alone and he he's when he says alone he doesn't just mean people he means god and he just doesn't think if there's a god anymore because it's a ridiculous question you can never know and you'll die not knowing so he doesn't talk about it anymore and oh. yeah frank wants him to time travel that's that's just hinted at actually This movie didn't make any sense. I'm falling asleep. Carl, Carl, this movie's boring the shit out of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, no, let me try to find something back. interesting. No, uh, I'm back. I'm back, man. Wait. Uh, hey, we okay, the infomercials from Patrick Swayze were actually shot at Patrick Swayze's ranch in Calabas, California. Isn't that interesting? No, I am so wide awake to hear that. That's exciting. Oh, man. Well, yeah, in 2003, actually... Richard Kelly released the Donnie Darko book. Wow, a whole book? Mm-hmm. It could... Well, I know, like, if you get the DVD, they have the Patrick Swayze video, the separate bunk DVD extra. Like, they they edited it, to, you know, to make it, like, a, a maybe seven-minute long, kind of SNL sketchy <laughs> uh, video thing. It's funny, nope. you know, that's... And you can see bits and pieces from it that they used in the movie. So it makes sense yeah. to shoot the whole thing and use it as a source. Now, the director, before he finished the script, he was high and he was watching football, just like they are now. And the commentator, uh, Madding, like did these drawings on the frozen frames of where the players would go. And then he hit play. And of course, they went there. So being stoned as shit, he got this idea that everything would have a trail coming out of its stomach, 
leading you. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's such a weird. Look at that. It looks like I'm watching the abyss. The abyss <laughs> too. The, the suburbs. Maggie. So the way his father's going to go is predestined, which is straight to video. <laughs> right. Straight to the control room. The dark. His sister. Yeah. And now Donnie sees his own. And he likes it because, like, yeah. he's like schizophrenic, is he? See, that's the thing about this film. They're, he's supposed to be a schizophrenic, but if all this is real, it's the tangent universe, right? Well, he's in control, I guess, or like, I don't know. He's got to get convinced to, to save the real universe, you see. But first, he has to go to the, uh, Windowsill where the alluring aroma of pie has uh, swept his nostrils into the room. Oh, no, wait, it's CGI. Wait, right, so he finds a gun or something like that? Right, he finds a gun. It's, it, he was led there by, I don't know, his destiny bubble or something to find it. It's not some serious CGI money in this movie. It's like I'm watching uh, James Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it got me a gun. It feels good. Now we hear a plane flying overhead super low, just foreshadowing that somehow a plane is involved in his saving the world. Huh. I'll check mark that for later. Twelve days left. I think I was done with high school in eighty eight. I was in college. You were you graduated in it. Eighty seven. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So in '88, I was in a, I was college. You went to Brandeis in. Yeah. And I would send you letters. <laughs> yeah, that's right, girl. And I would come visit that's... and get ill. <laughs> <laughs> Which we won't talk about on a podcast. Okay. Yeah. Now he doesn't get to kiss her. But it's not because she doesn't want to kiss. She just wants to do it in a time that's like perfect, in which the world is a nice place, you know. And right now there's this guy staring at him. And it's the FAA guy, even though we don't really, doesn't really get explained. Yeah. So her like affection and kissing and everything, like it's part of the trick, the, the lure. She's manipulated dead. Yeah, that guy's so weird. He was just like hanging out like that. Yeah. So now they learn that their friend, their son has an imaginary friend, you know, and it's, they get right. shocked. You mean my son is a crazy? I mean, he's schizophrenic. He sees things and he talks to a bunny rabbit. Barbie? <laughs> right. Have you seen the movie Us? U.S. Gordon uh, Jordan Peele movie, maybe a lot of a lot of rabbits in that one. It's like evil doppelgangers that hang out at uh, uh, the beach. Evil doppelgangers—they take your form. Yeah, they like hang out in the fun houses, waiting to be escape and take over. 
They're like, it's the family, and they see like a bunch of evil families, and uh-huh. it's like evil, and they after each other. But there's a lot of rabbits in that movie. Should I watch it? Yeah, it's good. Did What's it like called again? Um, DVD Q. U.S. U.S. DVD. Uh-huh. What year? Yeah. Oh, gosh. 2018, 2019. Oh, so it's I can stream it. Okay, this is boring. Yeah. Look at the money they I'm spent. No, yeah, oh, I know. Like, then you get the director's cut, and there's like even more special effects. It's special effecty. When in doubt, throw in those special effects. I don't know. I think this is a great film. Are you interested? I love this movie. Yeah, it was a huge influence. I thought I couldn't believe a film like this existed. It was pretty cool. <laughs> this is before like every like every cheap movie is like, oh, there's time travel involved. I think we're in a cheap time loop. <laughs> How do you mean? Well, by saying we're in a time loop, I just saved two million dollars in special effects. <laughs> Right? That's a time travel movie. Oh, we're time traveling. Yeah? Yeah, I guess we are. Okay. Boom. No money spent. You know what I would like is like um, a, a time travel movie that really does explain what they're doing. Not like, we found a wormhole. We pushed the way right. back machine. Well, I should mention, we just saw the scene where Andrew and uh, Noah are making fun of Donnie Darko's name. Like, I had to admit the fact that they're dating kind of adds something to the movie. Yeah. I think so, too. Now, yeah. what we're getting now is this whole pitch about fear and, you know, it's that, good morning, I can't hear you, good morning. You know, it's the standard <laughs> motivational. Correctional School 187, let's hear it. I didn't mean the correctional school that's the 187 number i just came up with a ps number ps 187 up seth rogan seth rogan sighting he's got a he he went to the barbershop and said give me a swayze (laughs) dirty dancing oh oh yeah that's the name of the rabbit Uh oh Coincidence? I think no. Uh oh, chaos in the auditorium. I am too short for a microphone stand. Yeah. All right. He says like he gets bullied and he wants to learn how to fight. And Patrick Swayze's like, that is the fear talking, boy. <laughs> yeah. Wow, there's like a big age difference. Uh-oh, here comes Donnie. Yeah, here comes the smart ass. Huh, what, Donnie? Donnie, that's outrageous. How rude! Oh, my God, he's disrupting the auditorium. I feel he's sorry like for a, you, son. He's a self-righteous white boy. 
Well, I'm just saying, you know, I, I live at home. So he's being personally attacked, you know, like how much are they paying you for being here? And I think you're the uh, the devil or I forget exactly what he says. Lucifer. He is the devil. The Antichrist, he, he, that's what he, he says, the Antichrist. Wow, that's a little extreme. Well, of course the school is banned to be here. He's not doing it for free. There's one lady in the audience who goes on to be an actress of little note, but I've seen her face and stuff. Oh, Meryl Streep right there. Right, Meryl Streep. That's right. Oh, it's yeah. Fran Drescher. <laughs> wow. Holy What's cow. All right, all right, Donnie. The ear rough shenanigans are out of here. Right. You go sit down, go sit down next to the other. Yay. Yay, he told us what now he's ranting, and you know, and she's like, calm down. And he can't, he's wired up. He's the living receiver, he's receiving the artifact. I do like the little hangout place where they got like a full on couch in the middle. Yeah. Of and he drinks alcohol and shoots guns at bottles. And it's right across the street cool. from the house of uh, the author. So he's going to write her a letter, right? Yes, he is. Be like, I fucked with your face. I fucked you up, man. You were expecting a letter. And here it is. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> While you're sleeping, I did a mustache. <laughs> I wasn't even hypnotized. I, I was completely conscious when I did it. Now he admits that he's been seeing stuff like hallucinating, like those time uh, bubble things from the abyss. And they're all in that book. Oh, yeah. Bling, bling, oh, bling, 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 <laughs> bling, 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 bling. <laughs> okay, so now they're having a heart to heart about time travel if it's possible. And if you're doing it's, you know, if you could see your own future, wouldn't you do something different? He goes, Not if you're following God's plan or God's path. And then he's like, I can't have this conversation with you. I might lose my job. And then, like, He's really cool about it. And he says, okay. Well, I think this is a great scene. This is where basically the teacher says, you know what? This is just, I can't. This is above my pay raise. You know? <laughs> right. I'm at the school. What more do you want from me? This Noah what? Weil, you know, he was in ER and he won an Emmy there. But uh, he was also like, one of the guys in A Few Good Men, one of the accused, and he was Steve oh, wow. Joms in, in Pirates of Silicon Valley. That's right, with Michael Anthony Hall playing... Uh, right. Uh, I enjoyed that. Who's playing Bill Gates. Right. right. That's right. And well, of course, The Librarian. Like... It's a franchise. Yeah, that's like PBS. It's like, coming up next, The Librarian's War. More librarians. <laughs> That's right. Are you are you on a cliffhanger from Libraries Three? Well, don't worry, TBS got you covered. <laughs> we went ahead and did a fourth Libraries movie. What? It's true. 
That's crazy. You would figure TBS would have plenty of things to air. Not true. Uh, Donnie Bar- Darko got a little bump in 2016 because the calendar days of October that year fell the same. Oh, wow. Oh, that's right. I had a Donnie Darko catalog, uh, uh, calendar back then. Now he, can, he finds a wallet, and the wallet is the guru guy he hates, Patrick Swayze. And then the rabbit's like, now you know where he lived. Oh, so the rabbit threw it there. Here's the the philosophy of time travel, and he's showing it yeah, to. I think there's more of this in the in director's cut. She actually says in the director's cut that you you can stop taking your pills. They're a placebo. Letting us know. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh, but not in the movie. The original movie. Right, not in the movie. That got dropped. I don't know why. It just seems like more on more. I mean, like, he was pretty fucked up to begin with. He doesn't need to be taking placebos. (laughs) Oh, how 80s is that? Now we get a Seth Rogen, uh, like we get a lot of Seth Rogen. Oh, right on. So they're saying, what if you showed babies nice images, they would grow up nice then. And like, they didn't think it through. Like maybe babies need their sleep at night and they part the darkness is part. IMG, what a great idea, Carl. <laughs> IMG. Z- uh, Z-I-M-G. OMG, OMG. <laughs> OMG. Oh, look at those okay. guys. So, yeah. Now, let's hear some okay. Seth Rogen stuff. Here he goes. Oh, oh, that's awful. <laughs> He's like, out, out, you are fighting. Yeah, it's the same thing in the box. Like, this student acts like a total dick to Cameron Diaz. Like, she says nasty shit. Oh, time is right. Kissing, kissing. Now, she was in the Hunger Games, this Jenna Malone. What, well, what part was uh, what territory was she from? Was she from like the rich territory? Or was she I, from, like, don't the... <laughs> I don't know. Now, check this out. They're going to go see, you already know, um, the Evil Dead. But originally, they intended to have Donnie and Gretchen go see Chud, 1984. Chud, really? Yeah. Chud 1. I don't know. Like this is this is kind of cool. Like it's pop culture and pop culture, you know. Like, well, guess why they couldn't do Chud? Uh, there were problems why? finding out who owned the rights to the movie. It's in the title. It's the it's the cannibalistic humanoid underground <laughs> They own the rights. Just got to go to the sewer in New York City. Yeah. They didn't pay money for well, the Evil Dead footage. This uh, Sam Rain- Raimi is that his name? Yeah, right. That's the director. He gave it to, to Luke and Kelly. I yeah. was talking to my good friend Chris Mellon. He told me what great movie you were doing. So here, just take the kids. 
make Southland Tales afterwards. Now, Donnie is a little annoyed with Rabbit. Why do you always wear that stupid rabbit costume? Take it off. Oh, oh and then the rabbit says, why do you wear a stupid human costume? Right. Like, Whoa. Exactly. Burn. Burn. Oh. Take it off. Frank the rabbit, you turn the tables on me. Have you ever seen a Halloween costume that looks like that? Never. Never. Only now look, movies. look at Frank's eye. Now, the Frank we're seeing is the boyfriend of his sister. So why doesn't he go, you're, you know, you're Frank, the guy I know, yeah. you know? He doesn't do that. Listen, wouldn't you want to see your girlfriend's boyfriend fucked up like that? I guess. Now look how Gretchen sleeps through the whole thing. She has to. Right. She's well, also I mean, the manipulated death. Plus the movie's pretty boring. Mm -hmm. It's slow. No evil dead too. She's not the evil dead. She's the manipulated dead. All right, they're talking. What do you mean the world's gonna die? Well, he goes, when's this going to end, Frank? And he goes, you should already know that. So, oh, he, I don't so know. Cool. It's some sort of distortion, and we see the house of Patrick Swayze. And he's like, you could burn it down. Oh, yeah. I think it's kind of cool to, to fuck up this movie, because it's such a weird movie anyway. Like, right? It's like The Living Dead wow. and... Uh, different uh, evil time warps. There it is. Burn Swayze's house. Burn down his yeah. ranch. Watch, he's disappeared. See that? Yeah. One double feature. What's the so, other movie they found? Like, huh? The other, oh darn, I, I, I read it, that and I didn't, I didn't copy it. I didn't think it was think important. It was I, there it is. Oh no, that's Evil Dead. So he leaves Gretchen sleeping in the theater. Does he notice she doesn't really exist? Oh, here we go. Evil Dead, the left petition of Christ. Yeah, oh, that's that right. Wow. Well, it's supposed to be scary. It would make a good Halloween. Like... Now, for wow. the first time ever, we don't see Chinita like the victim she's leading something now she's doing something right now she's a lot of people think it's funny and one guy shouts out you suck like towards the end but she doesn't she's like yeah. she's no sparkle motion <laughs> there's sparkle motion getting ready and do you think a star code is more about sparkle motion? Betty says, if you feel like throwing up, Sally, just swallow it. She goes, okay. That's like bring it on. Okay, now, the internet tells me that Donnie starts the fire without a match. But, and he's supposed to be, have that's supposed to be one of his superpowers, fire. But I don't know. Oh, yeah. He uses gasoline to. I don't know. 
Well, he, don't forget, like, he burns a certain part of the guy's house to reveal something. So he maybe had to use the gasoline to... Uh, no, but if it. you can... I have actually saw a fire, like, in my house, and it spreads! You don't need gasoline. Didn't Waterman save the day in this? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. Sparkle emotion. So, you know, I don't, you ever seen the movie Welcome to the Dollhouse? Uh, no. Maybe. The, the main character's sister also is in, like, some kind of dance group. Oh. Now, you I know what song they're name. doing, right? Everybody wants to... You don't know? Well, let's take a listen. No, let's take a listen. Oh, the reflex. Good guess. It's right. Notorious. Oh, the Notorious. I thought it was the river reflex. Now, it was supposed to be Pet Shop Boys in a western town in Denon World, but they didn't get the song. It would have been more apt. So they did Notorious. Notorious. And it would have what been a the totally rest? different feeling. Right. Do you remember the video for Notorious? Was it? I don't know. It was a reflex where it was the pet mode performing live, and somehow water starts bursting out of the giant right. video screens above the Duran Duran. And the yeah. car. Yeah. Like a, like a waterfall. Yeah, right. Which, I'm sorry, that's a little problematic. They probably get electrocuted. Now, look, see, Donnie's you doing gasoline. Now, we don't see a match. Yeah. See, it just flames. But I don't know. Nice. I think Donnie, we could have just not seen the lighter, but the internet insists he just did it out of his will. Does this look like the Nirvana video? Oh. <laughs> mosquito! It's Mosquito! <laughs> There's a millennial version. There you go. Weed anus. Come on now. Weed anus. <laughs> Entertainus. All right. Weed anus. Uh, Here we are now. We eat anus. That's the millennial version. There's Chinita. Oh, Chinita. So what's the big line? Is I, I'm starting to. Uh, out your commitment to sparkle um, motion. motion. Yeah, well, that's coming up. Uh, it's not time yet. You see, Donnie had to burn down the house so that that woman couldn't go to L.A. so that her mother and her daughter, the daughter could be on the plane that will have a jet right. engine ripped off of it to resolve the paradox between the primary universe and the tangent universe, thus saving the primary universe. And you could say, like, wow, Richard Kelly, you did a great job with time travel. Best of luck in your next movie. I wonder what it's going to be about. And he's still, like, in Southland Tales, and I'm not spoiling anything. There's time loops in that movie, too. It's fucking amazing. Really? Yeah, well, wait till you see Southland. No, I'm not going to watch it. You've spoiled it. 
Oh, screw you. <laughs> okay, now we That's... find out, just like you said, Patrick Swayze has been arrested because the fire revealed child pornography and he pedophile stuff. Yeah. Kitty porn in his basement. A kitty porn dungeon is the way it was described. So now he's totally disgraced. Wow. I guess. And that was required that to get the mom on that plane. Six days left, Mike. Six days It's six ba days remaining. This is my Lord. You're making fun. These are songs from the big chair, Carl. Carl from the big chair. These are songs from the big chair. It's it's Okay, so now Drew Barrymore is fired. Get out of here. Work the week and yeah. And pack your stuff and skedaddle. And it's go, I go guess because of the book. Oh, because of the destructors? Grand yeah, Green? I guess. We're still on that? No. Ah! And nobody heard but oh, Danita. Oh yeah, there she is. That was their lunch. <laughs> Oh well, bye, Drew. My mind's eye. It's like they're crying. There you go. These are songs from the big chair, Carl. Okay, whatever that means. Do you mean the big chill? I don't know what the big chair is. No, this her fears, which God forbid they even call themselves that. Had an album where it was like songs from the big chair. Uh huh. I was like, oh. Up to the big chair. Oh, all right. I was going to make fun of it. I thought you guys were pretentious, but oh no! Look at that, Kitty Dungeon. Now, in order to get the living receiver to fulfill his destiny of saving the primary universe, the manipulated dead must create and the manipulating living must create a insurance trap that ensures the guy's going to do it and that's what's going on they're setting up all right she's saying listen you got to go she, yeah she's saying, oh this is i doubt your commitment to sparkle motion whoa there's the money shot But I do like how she's like she's kind of dressed down a bit when she when she comes in problem, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it tries to give her like a little bit some a little dimension. She was the um, the nitty knit, you know, the little fuss pocket uh, fuss bucket of what was it? It was Little Miss Sunshine, and she was like the registration lady. Sorry, you can't. Uh, too late. I have to see that movie. Here it is. I. You should listen to your dedication. Drop that. 
Yeah, there's the money on it. That's Yay, the cult line there right there. Hey, we did it. Uh-oh, Evil Frank. It up. It's Not getting... Yeah. Yeah, eight days remain. What the fuck's wrong with my son? Yeah, I know. That's Frank. Son? Mom, I can't explain. So Please now, don't make me explain. She's like, I'm going away. I have to go. Your sister's in charge. She'll drive you to therapy. And he's like, how does it feel to have a cuckoo bird for a son? And she's like, pretend, you know, it feels wonderful. She's like, loves her kid and it's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> if I had a kid, I'd love that bitch. You bet. <laughs> well, you know, honey, I was expecting a jet engine to land on you, but here we are. Do what you got to do, and then when you're ready to die from a jet engine, we can, of course, correct the universe. But, you know, mm-hmm. you do you. It is what it is. You do you. Uh-oh, how many days remain, Carl? Oh, no, we don't get a... Look, he wrote his letter. Darko. Darko. They laugh at it. No, Wyland and uh, Drew Barrymore laugh at his name, like, as if to say, come on. No, I don't think it was at his name. I think it was just like he's a character. I I always took it as they were laughing at his name too. Look, cellar door. Uh-oh. Do you see cellar door on the chalkboard? Uh huh. Watch. No, it's just you, Carl. You're crazy. Now, Drew Barrymore, she's part of the one of the manipulated living. Look, these people, they know they're going to be destroyed, even though they don't. In 28 days, they'll do anything to save themselves. So they get they set the stage for the insurance trap, and that is cellar door. At the insurance trap, he's going to go down into the cellar. You'll see. You see, it was 1955. Okay. J.R.R. Tolkien said sure. he declared that the most English-speaking people will admit that cellar door is beautiful. The phrase cellar door—it's the perfect English phrase. Do you agree? Uh, well, I- <laughs> that, that. No, no, I think you guys want it. Okay, you should listen now because now's the touching moment with Sin- with Chanita. Oh, yeah. That's your catchphrase. Now, look, she wrote Donnie Darko's name on her book with a heart. Yeah. Yeah, what a dick. Now, she wears, he wears her earmuffs as if to say, like, not I'm carrying you, but I'm connect, like. So now we have drama. he, He said, I'm creep. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I like you. And she ran off. He's like, no, I'm going to wear a part of you. Like, no, right, this is right. He's going to talk funny, right? Like, he gets into, like, Frank's voice? No, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't get into Frank's voice. He... Okay. She, she, He's admitting that he flooded the school... And he burnt the house. 
you know, and she's really scared. And he's like, did Frank tell you to do these things? And the answer is yes. And like this big thing is coming, which is supposed to be the end of the world. So he's like, I see Frank right now. And he now knows like, uh, remember he's hypnotized. So he's being honest. He right. knows that he's got to yeah. make a choice to do the right thing. And he doesn't want to do it. He's, he wants to live. He's scared. Right. I'm telling you, he's selfish. It's only when he realized that if he's going to continue this way, it's the world's going to end, that he says, all right, I'll do something about it. <laughs> right? Like, it's raining. You're letting all the water in. Eh, fine. I'll and then when you get wet, you're like, the door. No, but Mike, <laughs> to save the universe means he dies. He dies. Well, you know, he knows it's a fake universe that he should have done it a long time ago. No, in the primary universe, he won't exist anymore. He'll be smushed by a jet engine. Right, I'm aware of that. But he's, <laughs> he's still playing it. Now he's like, I see, I see Frank right now. Oh, no. He looks up at the sky. Uh-oh, I'm acting. Carl, I'm acting. I'm Jake Kilgore. I'm acting. I'm acting. I'm acting. He was acting, his acting debut was City Slickers in 91 as like one of the kids. Oh, interesting. I guess. Well, he was in Bubble Boy. You ever see that piece of shit? Yeah, Bubble Boy. You wanted us to see it. He was in that. He was in Jar. Yeah, well, he was in a bunch of really good, like, kind of over-the-top movies you can find on Netflix. He did Okra and the uh, Elvis Buzzsaw is a good one. Is another mm -hmm. over-the-top film. Oh, nice. Have you seen Nightcrawler? That's a good That's one. a great film. Creepy. I loved him in that. <laughs> yeah, he was creepy in that. And I loved like, him he, in Source he, Code. He, source Code, yeah. Good old Source Code. What a bummer that movie. More time travel, like sort of. Kind of. Well, yeah, it's a time loop. You know, and then he, at the end, he's like, I'm going to move left because you're going to try to hit me on the right side. Ha ha. I took your handcuffs because I know the last time I got handcuffed. <laughs> Look at that. Man. So now, and then it's like, he find... yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 I was just pissed about that movie. Go ahead. <laughs> it's just a plot point. She, she got into Harvard. And so, like, the, oh, FAA guy. Yeah, what's up with that? Nothing ever comes of it. So. Oh, this is like high school students' party, Carl. This is what it's like. Well, because she got into Harvard and the parents are away, they do a party. And at this party, I mean, it's got like a, he's got like a day left. It's like tonight's the night, I think. And who should right. come over but manipulated, live uh, dead, his girlfriend, Jenna, Gretchen. And they're even going to do it. Look at this. This guy's never been born in the 80s, and he's got people dressed up like Hulk Hogan. And Ronald Hulk Reagan. Nailed yeah, nailed it. Well, it, it was a movie. I'm sure that they had art directors, right? 
I'm telling you, this guy's a genius. <laughs> this film is genius. I wish he was genius because I want him to. Okay, so now she doesn't know the parents are away. She's like, call me the second you get this. Your son is going to do something bad. I don't know what. He's going to shoot up the school. <laughs> okay, Manipulated yes. Dead comes over and says her mother is missing. It's got to be the stepfather who stabbed her. You know, and the police said to go somewhere where she felt safe. So, so she went I heard to you die. at a party. And I wasn't I invited. But, you know, my stepdad's going to try to kill me. So I figured, well, maybe I should come to this party that you didn't invite me to. That's the only reason why I'm here. That's the thing. Yeah, you're right. She shows up for that reason. She wasn't invited. <laughs> no. Well, look at all the little rabbit skulls. Sister knows. Gothic sister. Okay, now, she's very distraught about her mother, and she's upset, and her mother might be getting killed. Who knows? And uh, so what choice does she make? She makes love to Donnie Darko, who loses his virginity. Well, then he realizes, well, did it. 12 hours to spare. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a virgin ahead. anymore. Yeah. And you, and, my, right. and you can go to heaven, porn star, ghost. Yeah, right. Yeah, be ball three. I did it. I did it, God. I got the, the nerd to lead. I'm All Mae right, West Sally. over here. <laughs> she was doing Mae West that entire move. She says the ghost of a porn star talks like Mae West. Yeah. She didn't do Always her research talk. for that film. Okay, now, so the sister's like, where's my boyfriend, Frank? And the answer is he went on a beer run. Oh, this is where the audience goes, oh, now everything makes sense, I think. Now I get it. Okay, they're coming back from L.A. with the good news that they made it into the semifinals. Notorious. Not notorious. <laughs> oh, Star Search, right, with that new man. Yeah, with Ed McMahon. Okay, Adam. here's a new comedian. His name is Sidbad. Wow, that was great. Wasn't there like a there's some country singer that dominated that show? I liked Sinbad. He wasn't threatening at all. <laughs> he was without that. He had orange Sinbad? hair. You would think know, he's bad, he's, but he's without that. He's uh oh. He's, He's got to... sin and he's got bad in his name, right? Sin right. and bad. Sin. Sin being the Spanish word with, without. And then bad meaning he's without that. Sin as without God. He's sinning. He's sinning all the time and he's bad. Well, sinning he, is bad. He's not without bad. No, sin. Okay, That's what's sin going on with without... Donnie? What's going on with Donnie? He looks all fucked up. What's with Richard Kelly? I think he's fucking drunk behind the camera. Could it be it's time? What's this? He's getting led somewhere. Frank was here, went to get beer. Why should he know about Frank? Frank is the rabbit's name. Right. Who would read that? So his sister's been writing those notes, like quote the caucus. Now, his sister wrote that? Uh, Frank wrote it, and he wrote it in the same font that he wrote, They Made Me Do It. 
Oh, and then the time. So now, <laughs> Donnie sees through a wormhole and he starts to understand how it has to be him who goes and gets that jet engine. Right. He's got to do it with his telekinesis. Go ahead, bonk me in the head. So now he's like, the time is near. I have to go talk to the author. She's the only one who will know what's going on, what I have to do. So he goes and he's like, he's going to put the letter in her mailbox. But, uh, but that right. is the insurance trap. The manipulated living have brought him there. So by those are the two friends that Donnie Narco has proving he has friends. It's right? all, it's Drew Barrymore for mentioning cellar door and talking about the destructors. Right. It's Noah for telling him about time travel. These people are compelled by something they don't understand to, to like act and play a role so that Donnie gets, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh, Gretchen, uh, it's the guy getting, you know, it's the reason that the parents got put on the plane. It's now he sees what does he see? The door to the cellar, right? Yeah, weird. So he thinks there's something in there for me. Uh huh. It's the Twister family. They're hiding from a Twister. <laughs> the Twister dog. Yes, it is. You can come out now. <laughs> Where's my cow? I have my cow right there. What um, happened to my cow during the Twister? The Twister oh, happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sight to be seen. I swear to God, if I paid a mission, I'd be like, I got my money's worth. If you saw that cow fly in the air, whoa, boy. Oh, Twister. It's a real movie with the real cow. No, no Twisters were harmed in the making of this movie, but we <laughs> fucked up the livestock. <laughs> no CGI cows were harmed. Your eyes might have hurt from looking at that CGI from 96, but yeah, well, it was okay. Wow, look, there's a piano in the cellar. This is a gin joint. See, there's really nothing down there for them, and he's a little confused, but it was Seth Rogen. Oh, I don't even remember this part. This is... What happens with him? This is what gets Gretchen down on the ground, you see, and hurt. Right. Seth Rogen. Bogey. Boo. Now he's really he's sort of like doing him harm. He's holding him down. He's got a knife to his throat. Yeah. Must be like partying with Dave Franco. Yeah, right. Your brother couldn't come out tonight? No, uh, the cops wouldn't let him out. You got to hang with me. Okay, here comes the red car. Frank is in the car, yeah. okay? And that's the one he passed in the beginning of the film. Now, who, really comes out, who comes out to check if there's any mail? Oh, the old lady. Or yeah. And so to swerve out of the way of the old lady who got her letter finally, he runs Gretchen right. over. And she's dead. Boom. Oh no, and then it's gonna be pathetic because it's gonna be the guy in that Halloween costume like, what happened? Yup, exactly right. With his California plates. 
It's in Virginia. I know. Uh, insane clown posse shows up. What a clown. Beat it, clown. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, Gretchen, wake up, wake up. Yeah, oh, did we run you over? Can you believe this clown? <laughs> Can you believe this clown? Look at the tire oh, no. track. Wait a minute, when he goes back to real universe where he, he allows the jet to land on him and then people live? Yeah. He doesn't even know who he, he is, right? Like, they never right. meet. That's right. They're they, but they'll all be haunted in their dreams about it. Now, look. Remember, he's a crack shot, we learned, and he stole a gun. Yes, and? And his eye looks pretty healthy to me. Right, no gun, no bullets there. What's your point? Oh. Dead is dead, Frank. Well, that's why Frank haunts him, because he knows he's going to kill him. So he tells the clown, run home and tell your parents that everything's going to be okay. I guess it's because Donnie has now decided he's going to do it. That's right. how his oh, eye got fucked up. Wow. It all comes together. Meanwhile, the fucking time travel lady is just hanging out in the middle of this. She got her letter. Got she my... found her letter. She's going in to read it. Now they in the director's cut, there's a necrophilia scene. Really? I don't know. No, that. no. <laughs> it's, right, a it that with, a... it's a threesome with Frank and Gretchen. <laughs> they said, listen, for the home release, oh, look, Blockbuster is going to make a blockbuster. Yeah, card. did you see the Blockbuster cards? They might want to see a video Just tonight. Just like the 80s. I'm going to go rent uh, Donnie Darko from Blockbuster. I'll be right back. They didn't have, all they had was Estarco. All they have is well, Estarco. Why, why would someone make a sequel to this movie? I don't know. And I didn't watch it, but reports are that it's really quite weak. Look, look. Oh, it's really, yeah, look. The skies are dark. Shit's fucked up. Yup. Could it be a black hole is forming? Oh, I fucked this shit up. Oh, I really fucked this shit up. This better be a time hole loophole. <laughs> better be a dream. Ew, he's got his dead girlfriend in the drive. Yeah, he's got his dead girlfriend in the front seat. See, he, with his love of his life gone, uh, you know, the only way he can save her and everybody like Chinita is to do his duty. Oh. What is that kind of duty that he just lies in his bedroom and waits for the dead engine to land on him? Yeah.
consider that <laughs> motley every day, that though. motley Able. crew. Abel Jaramillo over here just flipping everybody off. Yes, looking like he just no, got really, out of court. I mean, I don't think it's just you. It's not something you could just do six times a week for like five months and then just assume that you're going to be really good at. Yeah, or be better at. I mean, it's just. It's it's weird. It's it's a tough way to do it. Like it, is is it is is comedy something that you actually saw yourself doing your entire life, even as even as a kid, or is this something yeah. that you just kind of grew into? No, I mean I grew into it. I mean I again, you know, I was after high school. I was just going to college, and then I met uh, you know Sammy, one of my buddies from high Sammy school. Sammy obeyed, yes. Not a boy. They're looking for Abel right now. I know. Huh? <laughs> it's not the police. They actually think he OD'd. Like, I know one of these assholes are parked illegally. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're a fire truck. Uh, but the um, the uh, what was it? What was the question? We were talking about uh, the. Oh yeah, was this something? So, was it, yeah, was this something that you saw yourself doing your whole life? Never saw myself. You know, the weird thing about stand-up is I never really saw myself doing stand-up. I, I kind of wanted to go to law school. My sister's a doctor, once a lawyer. I always thought it'd be really fun to be a lawyer because I like uh, I like reading. I like learning up on stuff and. And I think being in a in a courtroom battling some other dude would be hella fun. Right. Um, so that that's something that I was actually focused on doing. But then I met my friend Sammy, who was doing stand-up comedy a year into it, brought me into uh, a couple mics. Um, but that's pretty much that's basically where we started. And then you just get addicted to that, man. What I was mean, your what was your do you remember your first, first experience? Time, do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, I did Mission Pizza over there in Fremont. It was like Valentine's Day, yeah. 2009, I think. So I just go up there and uh, again, I invited a lot of my friends. I'm from Fremont, so there's like 40 of my friends. Right. And I just remember going up there and just doing like 20 minutes, 25 minutes almost the first time. And I did really well because all my friends were over there. I, like, killed it. I was like, okay, this is really – this is what I should be doing. This is awesome. And then I hit, like, four mics that week, and it was just, like, not the case. And, that, yeah, it, yeah. It, it hurts, right? Totally it hurts. The world is just all like, uh, I, mean, I don't know who Mark is, so this isn't funny. Why are you talking about your friends? <laughs> like, you guys know Mark. I'm like, we didn't go to your high school, sir. Okay, so how do you deal? Like, how do you deal with that rejection? Because because here's the thing about comedy, man. Like, when the crowd rejects you, you feel it immediately. Yeah, it's not like you, you put up a – You care. You, you're not supposed to. to I, oh, most definitely. Oh, I don't care. I just yell back at them. Right. I said, I'm sorry you're not too uh, smart to understand this dick joke, but right. I don't think it's not funny. <laughs> it's a very sophisticated dick joke. That's exactly you know, what's going you're on. When you get rejected by hot girls eight times a week, who gives right. a shit about the crowd and Billings? Well, see, that, that's, <laughs> you know, that's like, I mean, that's a great like, point, though. What I really though. wanted was Tanya, not for you idiots to like me, so I don't give a shit. No, no, but that's a great point, though, man, because yeah. I feel like, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like when you get accustomed to the feeling of, yeah. of rejection, of instant yeah. rejection, it's easier to go out into the world and yeah. just be as badass as you want to yeah. because it's, it can't hurt you. It's like it's like being whooped on the back so many times that your back is just numb now yeah. at this point. So, I mean, do you find... Was do, like, I don't love you. It's like, like, I don't care. You're like, I don't love the me either. jokes aren't working, Kelly. I'm at Mission Pizza. I don't love me either, okay? I know. I tell you, dude, that's, that's the thing about it. You cannot care about the... You have to... Rejection... Even when you get great, you're getting rejected. I mean, there's always going to be rejection. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, even when you blow up, there's going to be roles that you're not going to get or TV shows that you're not going to be on, even if you're out there killing it. Right. So you got to get quick. Rejection should be the first thing you should actually think of. Right. So when you're happy, when the one rejection doesn't happen, you're like, you know what? Things are good. <laughs> I'm going to be it's fine. Like, uh, it's like they're serving breakfast after 10. This isn't a victory. <laughs> is there is, is there like a goal for you, though, Kabir? Like, what what is I, – I get this question from – uh, younger comics like what is it that you want to do like what where do you want to be in like five yeah. or ten years what is what is the goal that Kabir Singh has in mind in terms of yeah. comedy or entertainment well listen you can't put a number on when you want to achieve it but like literally my goal is I love doing stand-up comedy that's my thing I would love performing 
on the road 260 days a year yeah. all over America and the world repeatedly theaters and sell tickets of course fortunately you have to get on television to do that and other stuff that you have to get good at to do what you want to do um, but that's that's basically the goal and really honestly the goal I mean of just going city to city and making people laugh I've pretty much already over I've already achieved I mean I get to go I mean I'm not getting paid great and there's a lot of shows that do suck yeah. but I'm still hitting that I still get to go out and make people laugh so it's a lot of fun it would be fun doing it while being getting rich, I guess. That, that would also be dope. I, I'm, Is that the way to say it? Yeah. Is that the bright way to answer that question? I think that's the most direct way like to do it. I'd like to get rich doing exactly what I'm what doing What I want right to do. Now. Please. <laughs> right now, Please. it's good. Um, I, I, it's, uh, 20 more grand a show would be nice. <laughs> I know I know you're going city to city, and that definitely is one of the perks of uh, doing stand-up comedy, but you're originally from the Bay Area, Area. Um, from Fremont. Uh, my, my question is this though, do you think that there is a huge difference between like Bay area, the Bay area comedy scene versus out, you know, the rest of the world? And I, know, I yeah. hate to sound pretentious cause I know the Bay area people right. usually sound like, you know, our shit don't stink or something like that. Right. But how, what, what is Bay area comedy compared to somewhere on, you know, in the Midwest or, or down South? We, 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 we are literally at the best, the Bay area is the best place to get good at stand up because it's a melting pot and you're going to get. All different kind of crowds throughout the week. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you could just go in there and do. I mean, there's just so many people here. Right. Uh, people talk about the Midwest like it's easy. They're the easiest crowds. Really? They're happy to see you. It's Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be a dick, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're, right. They're, they're, it's way harder to impress and make people laugh at Roosters on a Sunnyvale when the whole Oracle and Yahoo's over there that's just trying to get drunk, or San Francisco with all these guys where you can't say anything. At all. Right. You know, they're way harder than going in the – I mean, Bay Area is a perfect place to get good. I mean, this is the best place. You go to different rooms, get good. Midwest, Chicago, Denver, they're the same people. Yeah. Everyone watches the same stuff on television. I mean, it's crazy. Everybody yeah. watches that. And you kind of already know how people think just by watching the news and the shows that are successful and the cartoons that do well. Yeah. They're not – Totally different of it. When you start going to like Glasgow and stuff, where your accent, like Scotland, where you're just talking, and they're like, "I don't know what he's saying." Right, right, right. That's when it becomes an issue. Has, has that been an issue <laughs> oh, for you? Oh Lord, I went. I lied to this promoter like four years into stand up. He's like, "You're a headliner." I'm like, "Yeah, headline America. Oh, this is great." He's like, "Yeah, we need to headline these uh, this like UK tour." And I was like, "Hell yeah!" He's like, "You got an hour?" I'm like, "Yeah, I got an hour." At Tommy T's right. in the San Jose Improv. I'm four years in. <laughs> right. They throw me in a Glasgow in like Birmingham, and I'm just up there like, this is going to be tough. <laughs> I mean, Glasgow, they just stared at me. I've never seen it. I was an hour, and I was good. I still had an hour of good show. I was yes. doing it. But it was just 45 minutes, and people were just looking at me like, I don't understand a word that's coming that's out of That's incredible. Mouth. And I'm like, it's English. Right. And they tell me something. So I kind of don't understand what you're saying. This it's, is weird. It's two people speaking English, completely different accents. Same don't know language. what the hell. Yeah. So so what's going on in your mind? I mean, you're talking about going overseas to do comedy. Oh, yeah. And you're, you kind of, you know, you kind of gassing yourself up to this guy by saying, yeah, I got an hour. Oh, of I mean, course. so, so what all else those, are you going to tell the guy? It's you're not going to say no. Two grand a show. Yeah. You're not going to say no. An hour, sir. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So what Which you, hour would you like? <laughs> what are you thinking in those? What are you thinking in those 45 minutes where they're the just hour. watching? I'll you? bring it, sir. Well, no, no. What are you thinking in, the, in that time where, they, where you're just being judged? <laughs> Oh, do, while I was bombing? Yeah. Oh, they immediately knew I wasn't shit the minute I got there. <laughs> they put me on the first show in London. I'm like 30 minutes into that, just sweating. I'm like, so you guys, uh, the McDonald's here tastes funny. Right. <laughs> just it. Scotland was tough. They didn't understand a word. But you know what? They were so polite. Like, I, I they were just so cool that they wanted me to do well. They understand there was a language barrier. They understand that it's not my fault. Yeah. There's a lot more respect for comedians in the UK, like we're looked at, like 
there's a lot of TV shows in the UK where they just put stand-up comedians on a panel and they just talk about their opinions. Right, Something right, right. that we would destroy here. Exactly, like, hey, yes. Shit. Like, the, the structure over there, comedians are really well-respected. So even though I was eating, eating it, and in my head I'm like, this is really bad, they were still not rude. They weren't booing. They were just listening, and they're like, you know, they understood what right, to clap. Yeah. But you could just tell as a comedian that, dude, none of this is working, and you're, you're not going to get paid. You're not, you're not getting that satisfaction, <laughs> right? You're not scratching that itch. You got a piece of paper over there, man, with some stuff written down? Did you want to read some of that stuff off? Oh, no, I want to ask a question, yeah. Oh, you want, okay, go, yeah, I want to ask you a couple questions. Oh, you want to ask me a job. question? Because, like, as a comedian, right, so I've been doing just stand-up. never had a day job while I was doing stand-up, at least, other than the telemarketing I did at 15, trying to hook up with that girl. Rejection again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the... Um, when you do stand up, when you have like a full time job, dude, yeah. like how do you balance the two? Like, I guess my question is if you have to do radio in the morning for a big radio show on like a Wednesday, but you get this gig in Arizona that doesn't pay anything, or a gig in LA that doesn't pay anything, but industry is there and you need to be show your face over there to do well and you got the spot. I mean, how do you pick that? Well, at this point, you know, I, I got to a point where um, I had to make a decision. It's like, look, I, I signed this contract to do this radio show that I really enjoy doing, um, but at the same time, you know, if I if a great opportunity comes up in uh, in LA or Seattle or wherever yeah. maybe you have to make a decision you have to choose you well, know never good opportunities in Seattle <laughs> well yeah or wherever it may be wherever it may you be might right? pass on the Seattle gig <laughs> yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna come down to uh, Topeka and see if, see if I can make that make that work no um, I mean it, but again like when you so you you just have to weigh the options you just right? have to weigh the options whichever one is worth it more I mean if if it's a big show on a, on on the radio on Wednesday morning and I want to go to LA or whatever but I but let's say they're not paying or let's say I'm not too sure about the Booker or I don't yeah. know. I don't know the people that well. I might side with the radio show. Right, right. Although my first love is stand-up comedy, I only got into radio because of stand-up comedy. Um, that's I kind of I kind of stumbled into into sports talk radio right. and, and morning radio. So I know where my loyalties are. It's definitely towards comedy. But yeah, sometimes you just got to make a tough decision, and, and, what, and sometimes you do have to pass up on a gig that sounds cool. Yeah. But you're not very sure about. Oh, you know, you know you start weighing it. Yes, anyway. Exactly. Like, you know, like oh, this person's there, that person's there. You, you might drive seven hours. People. You might drive seven hours to get there, oh, and all yeah. of a sudden you're getting bumped. Nine people, you're getting bumped. Your boss is calling you. So yeah, <laughs> where so are you? It's just a lot of hard decisions, man. You just you just gotta know. But I look at it like this: it's a good problem to have, you know, because because you got two things that you love. I have two things in, that I love in my life: radio and comedy. Yeah. I get a chance to, you know, I've worked hard enough to be able to be in, engulfed in both of them. So it's a good problem to have. But I just have to make the tough decision. But radio wasn't your only job doing stand-up, though, right? Yeah. No, no. I, before radio, like, before I actually did full-time radio, I used to sell asphalt for a for a uh, construction company Jeez. i was an asphalt estimator, estimator. I, would, I would go to your parking lot i would measure it all out i'd uh were you good at that i was pretty good you, dude, let me tell everything. you something let me tell you something asphalt is a lucrative industry I can it's imagine. everywhere i mean it's everywhere you really don't think about it until you actually start selling it and then you yeah. look around you're like god damn every single road every single freeway almost all driveways yeah i'm telling you man but you don't notice it until you're actually making money off of it that's gangster so what, yeah what time did you have to go to work for that that was when you're in sales you kind of have more of an open oh, schedule yeah. so, you, so you, you know you can make your own schedule so that one that, with the big mac all, yeah. all the time bro one o'clock parking I'm, I'm lot at, looks like shit yeah it doesn't matter it's all cracked up but I got an In-N-Out burger, so I'm good to go. So this is a brand new building. <laughs> Pull your pants up. But what was the worst thing about, all, like, out of all the jobs you had while doing stand-up? And yeah. I still, I, I can't imagine this not being radio just because of the, the timing. But what was the worst thing about any job you had while you had to mix in with stand-up? 
Ooh, uh, I'd say, okay, I'd say the worst thing about um, this one job I had where I was basically customer service. <laughs> Uh, and I sat in a cubicle all day, and I sold. You, you ever seen the? You ever seen you know, the, the Office? The Office, right? Oh, the, the office. show, The yes. Office. You know how they? You know how they? Yeah, very close. Well, The Office. I got one word right, actually. The <laughs> Office space sentiment. That was my life, sitting in that cubicle. I've definitely had that feeling. But just like The Office, the TV show, I actually sold paper products. No way. So I was selling paper plates, selling paper cups. My whole life was paper. It was just a sad state of affairs. <laughs> you, it, I was just everything in my life was was bendable and breakable and rippable because I, I was just engulfed in this paper world so that that was the worst part about doing that job customer service for a person like me yeah is that i hate sitting down for yeah. hours at a time i hate being quiet for hours at a time yeah. i'm on the phone and i'm on the computer all day which i cannot just i cannot stand that and it would burn the fat off my soul dude so when i would leave there that's at five o'clock so scary to hear there when i would crazy. leave there at five o'clock yeah. i hated life life I, I, Damn, and, and here's the thing. I lived on the same block as I worked on. Understand that. I lived on the same block as I worked on. This is over on uh, on Cherry Street. So there's like no commute. You just no, walk it was just. I would just every day I wake up, I walk to work, I I burn on the inside, then I'd go home, smoke some weed, cry for a little while, oh, and then and then just listen to sports talk radio, and then just repeat in the morning. It was the saddest. Damn, it dude. was the saddest time of my life. And you man. just hated paper, like you 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 refused to I ref write jokes on paper. Yeah. I, now I, I'm like Jay Z, man. I just freestyle like, give everything. Me cardboard. Now. I'm not using this shit. <laughs> cardboard. I what just, do you mean there's no cardboard? Board. Is this the improv? So that was it right there, man. That was that was the uh, the worst. You guys need cement or paper? <laughs> I can't imagine having to do that shit because like it, it just it's gotta be worse if you do the, a show. Yes. Bomb. Wake up in the morning. Sell no paper. Sell no paper. It's <laughs> like that was a fun 24. It's a terrible. Yeah, I had a lot of those 24. The, the 72 hour power. The 72 power hours. I get you to see you getting you bumped on a show. It's like you don't know how much I need this. Size. I need this. I gotta sell All these right. cups. The paper industry is literally crashing. <laughs> <laughs> They've got these notes on the phone now. It's just this is crazy, man. What's the single worst moment of your life at a day job other than getting fired? Ooh, single worst moment of my life. Um, I worked at a liquor store. For a long Damn, time, dude, how actually. How many jobs did you oh, have? I've had dude. many jobs, my friend. How old are you here? Like uh, nine. I, I, I mean, I've, I've done everything, man. I've, I worked. My first job was what when I was eat? 11 years old. Who, no. Oh, what were you doing at 11? At 11 years old, I was Legally. stocking. I was stocking beers and soda. That is so illegal nowadays. I'm not, I'm not even supposed to touch the beer, but I was stocking beers and soda. And, and by the time I was 13, I moved myself up to the register, and I was working the register. You moved yourself I was, up? Well, I mean, I had worked myself <laughs> up to the register. You became right? manager at 11 and a half. I'm gonna <laughs> fucking start working the cashier. I'm assistant manager at 12 are heavy. I was. Like, hey, hey, real question about the beer. You ever fuck? Did you ever slide a beer in? Did oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude. I said I got just a drunk Rudy watching. Dude, Dodgers. First, first time I got base. drunk, I snuck some club mudslides out of the liquor store, and I drank them on the side of the liquor store next to the dumpster, and I got super drunk, and then I went home to go play. Good evening and welcome. It is 6 p.m. here in the Michigan District in San Francisco. I am your host, Perkins Warbeck, back from the insurrection, which was not successful. I am back to host my lovely Gates of Delirium as back as the original host. I've been away for a few weeks, but I'm happy to be back with you to bring you two hours of scintillating and scorching and sometimes pastoral 
progressive rock and roll. We are listening here at mutinyradio.fm, and I am with my cohort and technical wizard, Pamelita Benjamin. Pamelita Benjamin, who is the guiding soul, the guiding spirit between behind our efforts here at mutinyradio.fm to bring the truth to the people, whatever the truth may be. The people are in dire need of truth. And so I'm doing my little part here as Perkins Warbeck at Gates of Delirium, bringing them the truth of aesthetic excellence in the field of rock and roll. Tonight we have an amazing variety of things to bring you. I'm going to start with a fan favorite from way back in 1971. This is Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start.
That was Steve Hackett. Of Genesis fame. We're waiting for the next one to pop in. Let's go. Let's go here. Before that, we heard two from Steve from Popol Vu, my favorite Belgian band. Formed in 1971, put out a few albums. A couple of long German titles. I won't uh, bore you with the details. You're listening to The Gates of Delirium. I'm your host, Perkins Warbeck. And I'll be bringing you the truth of the truth here this evening at MutinyRadio.fm. Tell your friends you're about to hear the unvarnished truth. It's about to be uncovered, blown apart. One prog song at a time. You're listening to Hydria Space Folk. This is Sindran Rastafan here at Mutiny Radio. Dot it. 